0: Hello and welcome to Essential Alchemy. Alchemy is defined as the power or process that changes or transforms something in a mysterious or impressive way. My hope is that the information in this podcast can help you transform your mood, your energy, physical health, or even connect some dots to help you shift your mental or emotional state. I'm your host, Jody Cohen, a best-selling author, award-winning journalist, functional practitioner, lifelong learner and founder of Vibrant Blue Oils, a company that sells proprietary blends of high-quality organic or wild-crafted essential oil remedies designed to help you return to your ideal mental, physical, and emotional state. You can find out more about me and my company at VibrantBlueOils.com. And with that, let's get started with today's episode. Hi, I'm Jody Cohn, your host, and I'm beyond honored to be joined by Christopher Shade, He is the founder and CEO of Quicksilver Scientific, amazing supplements that if you don't know about, you should, and you will be rushing to buy at the end of this interview, and the driving force behind the development and innovation of its formulations and programs. He's recognized as an expert on mercury and heavy metals detoxification, liposomal and nano emulsion delivery systems. Dr. Shade has lectured and trained doctors in the United States and internationally for over 10 years on the subject of mercury, heavy metals, and the human detoxification system, his current focus is on continued development of cutting-edge nutraceutical formulations using liposomal and nanoemulsion delivery technology, with a specific focus on immune, cardiometabolic, and healthy aging. Welcome, Dr. Shade.
1: Thank you, Jody. Happy to be here.
0: And I'm excited to have you talk about how. Toxicity can disrupt the body's resilience Mm -hmm. capabilities, but I'd love to start by asking you to define how you define resilience.
1: Uh, Yeah, almost like the dictionary. Okay. (laughs) You know, it's like, how well can the body take different stressors and bounce right back? Not, you know, a little stressor and they fall off the edge. Uh, In fact, uh, in toxicology, it's called uh, hormesis, something that hits you and something that, you know, hits you but makes you stronger. So, you know, the old sort of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And so resilience is coming mostly from the mitochondria. The power plants inside the cell really define how well your body can adapt to anything. In fact, we have a big longevity program going now and I have a whole way that I look at longevity called a longevity wheel and it's different axes, you know, from a detox axis to Uh, sirtuin activation, uh, uh, senescence, telomeres, neuroendocrine system. And every one of these comes down to an action of the mitochondria and the mitochondria being able to fulfill its duties, having enough mitochondria per cell, having enough NAD to do everything. And when the body's got the power plant, it can do everything. And when things go in and damage the power plant, it's just a downward spiral. And so we'll be talking a lot about toxins and detoxification and toxins are one of the things that can send you into the downward spiral. So the, you know, the resilience is keeping the mitochondria up and keeping a bunch of reactive mechanisms on board, NRF2, which responds to toxins coming in and mobilizes all the forces of chemoprotection or detoxification. AMPK, which is mobilizing calories when you need it. Uh, Sirtuins, which are keeping you at a high mitochondrial density. All of these contribute to a strong resilience in the system.
0: That was a beautiful definition. I love that. So let's talk a little bit about how toxicity can throw off your mitochondria and your resilience.
1: So... In, in what we call the longevity wheel, the, uh, the spoke called NRF2 slash AMPK is the core or like the entry point into it. And this is to turn up and get toxins out of the body. Because toxins go in and they uh, damage mitochondrial function quite a bit. Uh, I focus a lot I mean, I look at all toxins, but I focus a lot on metallic toxins, so mercury, cadmium, arsenic lead. These are very efficient at getting into the mitochondria and damaging the protective systems in the mitochondria. And as they do this, they are lowering levels of the most, probably the most important molecule for resilience in your body called NAD. So NAD is responsible for Taking electrons out of carbon substrates like carbs and lipids and bringing them into the electron transport chain and turning them into NAD. I'm sorry, turning them into ATP. So making energy. That's just one of the things that they do. They uh, also are setting up communication between the nucleus and the mitochondria so that you make the right amount of mitochondria and you make them correctly. They're setting up cell to cell communication. They're setting up uh, the uh, diurnal rhythms, uh, the internal clock of the body. And they also are setting up the detoxification and antioxidant system through a sister molecule called NADPH. So the toxins can come in and just disrupt all of that energy signal. And the, unfortunately the energy is uh, necessary to get uh, all the toxins out of the body. So when you keep that system up and coming all the time, they get the toxins out of the cell before they're able to penetrate into the mitochondria and take the mitochondria down. So it's kind of like having a good defense system, you know, on the outside of your village or of your country, you know, Uh, unfortunately it's a little bit military and so is the, you know, so is the immune system, but the ability to intercept these things and push them out of the cell and then get them to the liver and kidney and get them out of the body before they penetrate all the way into the interior into the inner sanctum of the mitochondria and take that down once they've taken that down the whole system goes down like you see with people get Lyme or chronic mold they've gotten you know they're the 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 damage has gotten all the way into the inner sanctum, and then it takes a long time to get back. So you want to keep those defenses up so you don't get there. That.
0: That's a brilliant description. Thank you so much. And how, how would someone who's listening, like, you know, it's like the moat surrounding the castle, how do they, what products, what mechanisms, how do you support basically good immune boundaries?
1: Sure. Uh, Barriers. <clears throat> or, or good detox boundaries here in yeah. this case. And there's a total overlap between the two. Because as, and let's just hit that first. Because as the toxins come in and lower your defenses, they lower your immune defenses. Many of the toxins, some of them will shift you into what's called a Th2 dominance, where your immune system is all focused on being allergic to everything and missing uh, their primary defenses against the invaders coming in. Uh, a lot of times, you know, they'll turn down interferon. Uh, a lot of this is because they bring down glutathione. So glutathione, we're gonna talk about here as one of your core detoxification defenses, but it's also totally central to your immune system. So there's this big overlap. The immune system needs the mitochondria to do things. It needs glutathione to keep the cytokine uh, profile uh, balanced. And so whenever you're toxic, you become immunocompromised in a certain way, all right? But here we're talking about keeping up the defenses. So To talk about keeping up the defenses, let's just first line up how you get a toxin out of the body. And so we're gonna start from the cell, we're gonna go to the blood uh, and lymph, the circulating fluids, and then we're gonna go to the filtration units, which would be the liver, kidney, and GI. So you're gonna go from cell to circulate, to filter out and excrete. So there's what are called phases of detoxification. One thing you said to me is that a lot of people have good phase one, but they're missing phase two and phase three. So the way this works, when you're in a cell and you've got a toxin there, you have to link some of your molecules onto it. That's in phase two. And then you have to transport it out to phase three. But first you have to get them ready for that. And that's called phase one. So the toxin is, it. The toxin is there, and if we talk about like something that's hard to work on, like a flame retardant, we need to come in in phase one and sort of chop into it and make it more reactive. We actually turn it more into like a free radical. And we're actually making it a little bit more toxic. And this is why we need to couple that first phase one reaction to the subsequent reactions and the subsequent reaction to phase two and phase three. So we've made this thing sort of vibrating and reactive so that in phase two, we can link something onto it. These are called conjugation reactions. And we're gonna link something like glutathione onto it. Now, there's three main reactions there. uh, Glutathione conjugation, glucuronic acid conjugation, and sulfate conjugation. depends on the chemistry of the molecule, which one of those you're gonna put on. But when you put that on there, you're gonna make it nice and water soluble, and recognizable by the transporters that are phase three. So we wound it up in phase one, we linked stuff onto it in phase two, and that stops its reactivity. And now we're gonna transport it out of the body in phase three. So these are transmembrane transporters. So we're in the cell, there's a a transporter that goes across the cell membrane, and it uses energy, ATP, and magnesium. You have to be able to make energy, you have to have enough magnesium and you're gonna push it out of the cell in the extracellular fluid, which becomes the lymph and then joins with the blood. So now we've pushed it out of the cell and now it's circulating in the body. Now we have to get it out of the body. So phase three continues. So at the liver, the liver has a phase three transporter pulling it into the liver cell. So grab that toxin conjugate, pull it into the liver cell. Then it has another phase three transporter, dumping it into the bile. So now if we visualize a rectangular liver cell, every single liver cell is fed on one side by blood and drained on the other side by bile. So we're pulling these things into the liver cell and then we're dumping them out with the bile into the bile tree, the first part is called the bile canaliculus. I like to look at it like a, <clears throat> an upside-down tree, and these are roots extending into rootlets, and the little rootlets are called the canaliculi, and the little rootlets drain every single liver cell, and they come together into bigger and bigger roots, and then they drain out of the trunk called the common bile duct. That will then uh, fill up in the gallbladder and release every time you eat food. So if you can't drain bile out of the liver, you can't drain toxins out of the liver. Now, women have a harder problem with this than men. This is why they have much uh, much more frequent gallbladder removals. They have gallbladder sludge, gallstones, all that stuff. It's the sluggish movement of the bile out of the liver. So to make this all work, yeah, we do have to do those Uh, those phase one, phase two reactions in the cell. But really, we have to make sure that that bile is draining. It's like clearing the drain on your sink. And so then you have to go into, why does that all get blocked? And so we'll talk about that in a second. But now let's just continue the flow all the way out. So say we get these toxins into the bile. They drain down into the small intestine. Now there, there's another problem down there in that a lot of them can reabsorb. Now, a lot of uh, toxins like methylmercury from fish, cadmium, mold toxins, uh, a number of other environmental toxins will get reabsorbed once they get down to the GI So how are we going to deal with that? We're going to make sure that these things don't get reabsorbed. So let's... Take a moment and talk about this central hub first, and that's the liver draining with the bile, because I know you have, you said you have a lot of women between 35 and 65. This is where this becomes an issue. So how do we keep the bile draining and what things block the bile? Now let's talk about what blocks it first. Let's just first say stress blocks bile flow, all right? And then we're gonna link stress to hormones and neurotransmitters in the brain, but inflammation also blocks bile. And so usually when I'm talking in a general context, I'll bring up this stuff called endotoxin. Endotoxin are these little parts of bacteria that come uh, across your barriers when your barriers aren't very strong from areas of high bacterial load into the blood. And what areas are these? The biggest one is the GI tract. So when you have leaky gut, that is where the cell-to-cell barriers uh, get weak uh, in the GI tract and open up. These are called tight junctions between each cell. They open up and it's not whole bacteria coming through, it's just little parts of them. And the immune system recognizes them like they're whole bacteria and sounds an inflammatory along and winds up inflammation. And when you wind up inflammation, you shut down a lot of processes that are luxury or house cleaning processes. In fact, house cleaning proteins is what these, all of this machinery of detoxification used to be called house cleaning proteins in like the 80s, 70s, and 80s, as they started to recognize these things. They were cleanup things. And then we started to understand how fundamental they were. But when you're going to kill, uh, bacteria or viruses that come in, or even if you've just perceived that that's the case, you turn off those processes. Those house processes are all antioxidant processes. You shut them down and you turn up inflammatory processes, which are pro-oxidant processes. Your immune cells make hydrogen peroxide. They make bleach-like uh, compounds and superoxide, hypochlorous acid to go kill things. So you turn up inflammation and you turn down all this detox stuff because you gotta get rid of all this stuff first before you can go and clean up the house. And so other areas that you get endotoxin from, uh, UTIs, chronic UTIs bring a lot of endotoxin into the system. And one of the things that people don't realize, which is a really big deal, is periodontal infection. So any periodontal inflammation is bringing endotoxin into the system. And in fact, there's great papers relating periodontitis heart disease because of the endotoxin that gets into the system and periodontitis to depression because depression is an inflammatory disorder of the brain which is screwing up your neurotransmitters and making you depressed by creating constant neuroinflammation. Because this endotoxin goes into the body, opens up tight junctions in its inflammatory response, including the junctions of the blood brain barrier and it gets into the brain and it turns up inflammation in the brain. When it turns up inflammation in the brain, it shifts your autonomic nervous system from the parasympathetic or rest, digest, repair, regenerate, detoxify over to what we all know now as fight or flight. So here we have a chemical trigger putting you into fight or flight. Turns out there's a lot of other chemical triggers. Mercury puts you in the fight or flight by affecting the neurotransmitter glutamate. So in the brain, there's this balance between glutamate and GABA. Glutamate is good for you when it makes you on. Like I gotta do something now, I gotta give a talk. I gotta handle a problem. Oh, something's going on, I gotta deal with it. I gotta remember something. It controls memory, action, vigilance. But when it goes too much, it brings with it memory, fear, anxiety, and eventually cycles of anxiety and depression as the system is up too much and then crashes, up too much and then crashes. This is a really big deal because it wears you out. And when you're in fight or flight, you shut down all now at an autonomic level before it was happening at a chemical level. Now the autonomics, which control where resources go. They control what things that we do with our body. Now we're in fight or flight and we stop all of that uh, cleanup and regeneration that was going on. And that neurotransmitter that's associated with that is called GABA. So you've got glutamate and GABA and 80% of all the signals in your brain are between those two. One is go and one is, all right, chill out, clean up. And so when you're hyper on the go, so to speak, I'm hyper on the go, and wow. I'm hyper in fight or flight. So whenever you're over there, you shut down bioflow. So we're seeing this happening at a cellular level, at a neurotransmitter level, and at this liver open closed level. That's why when you're stressed, even though there is stress eating where you're forcibly trying to be in a GABA state by feeding, by, by you know it, it's like uh, dopamine and ser- serotonin feeding. Most people, when you're stressed and you're like trying to deal with something, you're not hungry. But then you go and you get a massage, you get some acupuncture, you do some deep breathing, you shift over into parasympathetic and you're hungry again. That's because the bile is turned on and off. Now, remember, we're talking about bile as the conduit for toxins. But bile is fundamentally a digestive juice. It is what uh, it, it is what emulsifies fats so that you can absorb them. Now, one last thing before we take a, take a moment to recoil from all this information, let's tie it into hormones because it ties in perfectly. What hormone blocks bile flow? Estrogen. So estrogen dominance blocks bile flow. What does estrogen do in the brain? Makes you glutamate dominant. That's why when estrogen's low, you're a little dull. When estrogen's high, what are you? You're irritable, anxious. You know, you have all of that fight or flight stuff and you lock up your bioflow. What is the antidote to all of that? Progesterone. Progesterone, taste it, it's the most bitter of all of the hormones. And why does bitter matter? Because bitters and bitter flavors affect bitter receptors, which open a bile flow. When we talk about compounds for opening a bile flow, it is the bitter flavors. And when progesterone goes into the brain, it's actually progesterone metabolites, they wind up and make more active the GABA receptors. So progesterone is GABA, it's <laughs> rest and digest, it's parasympathetic. And estrogen, sympathetic, glutamate, fight or flight.
0: Oh my God, you just explained PMS. Like that's yeah. unbelievable. Estrogen equals glutamate equals grumpy.
1: Yes, wow. totally. And equals blocked liver.
0: Wow, amazing. And when you're stuck in all of those situations, you can't access your energy for resilience and positive shifts. Exactly. So how do we... How do the listeners that are all like, okay, that's me. Now I get it. How do we unravel this, you know, bio bottleneck?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So let's, yeah, let's, and let's stay at the liver function then we can fill in the, you know, the other sides. Uh, But the main things for keeping uh, the bioflow going uh, chemically are the bitter compounds. This is, you know, like, bitters you put in your cocktails, Swedish bitters. This was like the cure-all at the turn of the 1900s because it opened up so much stuff. In fact, Angostura bitters was developed by uh, the Surgeon General uh, in the army at the time, he was stationed down, I forget where he was, he was somewhere uh, like in the Caribbean and he needed one thing to keep all of his troops healthy and he made Angostura bitters to keep the liver, because you know their food inputs were, were, could be bad, variable, they just kept the liver flowing, everything worked. So the bitter receptors uh, then open up these transporters that move bile and toxins out of uh, out of out of the liver, and so like in the Quicksilver line, we have Bitters Number Nine and Bitter X. Bitters Number Nine was developed by me and a male pharmacist, and was is excellent as a little bit more of a stomach thing. Uh, but then when I started hiring a lot of younger women with a lot of PMS issues, I had to make a stronger one, and that was called Bitter X, and uh, and it features as its main bitter compound myrrh. And so myrrh wasn't used as much by the European herbalist. It came from Ayurveda. In Ayurveda, it was the primary bitter detoxifier, uh, kind of the way they use berberine-like compounds uh, in, in uh, Western eclectic herbalism. And it was in all of the, uh, all of the female formulas, uh, all the gynecological formulas, because it was great at moving stagnant chi and stagnant blood out of the uterus, but it's also great at moving stagnant bile out of the liver. And so that became a big workhorse for us. It's also lightly antimicrobial. And so when you're stagnant in the liver for a long time, you can build up parasites and different things growing in there. So the bitter x is really the best one for just getting that to flow. Uh, and it's really good at a gin cocktail as well uh and so you you just start working this into your life so the bitter cocktails i'm sorry the bitter yeah (laughs) the bitter (laughs) compounds and the bitter cocktails are really good for moving that and phosphatidylcholine phosphatidylcholine or pc is in all of our liposomal and nanoemulsion formulas and then we have things like pure pc and membrane men which are just concentrates of just phosphatidylcholine now why is that so Postal choline is a workhorse for us. It makes all of our cell membranes everywhere. And when our membranes are strong, all of the biological power is driven by healthy membranes that act as capacitors. These are little electrical circuits where they set up a charge differential across the membrane. The most famous of these is how we make ATP in the mitochondrial in the mitochondria, it's called the proton motive force. We build a, all the protons on one side of the membrane, none on the other side, and then they rush through and they spin this motor that makes ATP. Well, you're doing these kind of things all to your membranes, you're separating charge on them and you're creating this power that's driving reactions that are housed in the membranes. And that's membranes of the cell, membranes of the mitochondria, membranes of the endoplasmic reticulum where almost all of your hormones are made. That's all important. But at a liver level, your liver is taking phosphatidylcholine from the cell membranes of the liver and donating it into the bile flow 24-7 to thin the bile and protect the bile bile tree from the detergent-like aspect of the bile. The bile is a detergent. Now, it's carrying the toxins with it, but when it gets down to the upper GI, it's cleaning the upper GI. It's cleaning bacteria out of the upper GI. I mean, what do we call that when the bacteria grow up there? It's called SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, or for fungus, CFO, small intestinal fungal overgrowth. The upper GI, you know, we take all these probiotics, that's more for the lower GI. Mid to lower is where stuff grows. Upper GI is pretty clean and it's cleaned by the bile and that detergent-like effect. But that detergent-like effect will destroy the liver cells if it's not draining out of there all the time. So what happens is when the the liver gets totally blocked uh, and can't drain the bile, you dump the bile and all the toxins back into the blood. This is what happens when you try to detox and you don't have bile flow going. You hear like, Oh, I hear lipoic acid gets mercury out of the cells, and you take it, and you start mobilizing all these toxins, but you can't get them out, and they build up in the liver, and then the liver dumps them all into the blood. They circulate all through. You get brain fog. You start itching. The itching is actually the bile salts lodging underneath the skin. In fact, you know, it was just earlier today. I was scratching my arms. I'm like, up, oh, and I went for the bitters itch went away immediately. That's how I know that I need to move by a little bit. You might also feel upper right quadrant pain. You might feel lower back pain. Why lower back pain? Because that toxic load just went from the liver to the kidneys. Now you're overwhelming the kidneys. And then once you start getting rashes, that means that the toxins are coming out and they're affecting the immune cells uh, in the skin and creating the rash. So that's all the, the blowback of, uh, of the liver. And the way you keep that moving again is with the bitters and the PC. So a lot of women, before you get gallstones, you'll get sludgy uh, gallbladder and, and sl- they call it sludge. And PC and bitters will fluidize that, take that all the way out and clear that all the way up. You, you're not doomed to have your gallbladder removed. You can just flush that uh, plumbing all the time.
0: And isn't morning sickness a gallbladder thing too? Would this help?
1: I bet it is. Uh, in fact, that's like when we when we talk about how do you make sure you don't recirculate uh, toxins, it's by taking binder. And uh, binder, this is a blend of charcoal and zeolite, uh, a couple other metal binding and toxin binding compounds that go in there and sort of like grab everything so it doesn't reabsorb, but it also kind of pulls on your liver. And uh, if you don't have enough bitters on board, you'll actually get a little bit nauseous. And then you take the bitters and everything flows. So morning sickness may be the inability to get that liver to drain. And you're just feeling that nausea of that poor digestion because, you know, the body needs to eat all the time, but it doesn't have the bile going down there and everything's out of whack. And so I bet bitters would help with that quite a bit.
0: Yeah. And you, you've done, you've said everything I wanted you to say is brilliant. Detoxification should come before other treatments and initiatives. Cause I think that's a step most people miss. Can you land on that?
1: Yeah. I mean, how are you going to bring up mitochondria if uh, if you're all toxic, how are you gonna? You oh, I want to activate sirtuins with some resveratrol so I can live forever because I heard the rats live longer when they took this, you know. Well, yeah, maybe, but not under this toxic load. And really, especially for for your demographic, you want to go into bioidentical hormone replacement. And so you're gonna throw let's throw some testosterone and some progesterone on there and a little estrogen and you're just a toxic mess, you think that your body's gonna process all of those? You know, there's hundreds of metabolites. There's so many different hormones. There's a big cascade of that, of the sex hormones, the adrenal hormones. They all have to be working really well. And they're dependent on endoplasmic reticulum and mitochondria. That's where all the transformations take place. But those are the two most sensitive sites to toxicity. So you could be damaging all those membranes and all uh, all those enzymes that are supposed to do all those transformations. And if you've damaged them, you're going to build up this hormone, have none of those. I mean, it's just going to be a disaster. And once you clear all that junk out of there, then you put in those hormones, they will cascade through there and make everything work really well. And this is a big thing when you're going into perimenopause. There's this big trigger that turns up all of detoxification called NRF2. There's a bunch of things like in our, in our liver sauce and lipoic acid and sulforaphane, things from garlic and the broccoli family that all upregulate that. But if your progesterone is low, we already established your bioflow is not going to be right, but that nuclear, it's, these are triggers into the nucleus to turn up different genes. They won't work without sufficient progesterone and pregnenolone. So as your hormones go down, Your resilience is going down. Your ability of the body to turn on the detox system is going down. So you both need the hormones and you need the detoxification. Both of those have to happen. But starting with detox, stripping out all the junk out of the system. And if you're using our system with like, we have this thing called push catch liver detox. It's uh, a bottle of liquid called liver sauce, very simple. And then uh, there's black powder called ultra binder. You take the liver sauce, you might take some other things with it. It mobilizes at a cellular level, dumps it into the blood. It opens up the bile, dumps stuff out with the bile. And then you come in with the binder a half hour later and you pick it all up so you don't reabsorb it. Really simple, really efficient, but it has a number of things that activate metabolic switch called AMPK. This is what's activated when you do a keto diet or especially when you fast. And so it's great in conjunction with like intermittent fasting where you just miss breakfast. But the key of that, when you activate that, you mobilize a lot of fatty deposits, especially ones in the liver called fatty liver disease. And this can be non alcoholic fatty liver disease. It's from having too many carbs for too long, and you build up all this inflammation and fat in the liver. And in a study where a guy used this simple system on fatty liver, he got 82% resolution of fatty liver in two months. So you're not just stripping stuff out, you're actually creating what's called metabolic flexibility, your ability to go between burning carbs and burning fat. This is essential for being able to have resilience and longevity. And one of the things that comes along with that is also better bioflow that comes along with AMPK. So we're hitting this from a number of different triggers, ones in, some are just bitter receptors, others are nuclear uh, receptors where you're turning up whole gene sets and you're cleaning out and making the body fundamentally more resilient. And then you can go in and build up NAD levels, build up sirtuin activity, uh, get rid of what are called senescent cells, build up your hormones, Uh, but you go in and you clean up first.
0: I love that. Yeah. You can't pay it on a dirty, dirty canvas. And I love yeah. med- metabolic flexibility is really supporting resilience. Yeah. Oh, totally is. So the, we've, we've talked a little bit about your detox products. You have two other products that I think are fantastic that I'd love to highlight your melatonin. And then I'm going to mispronounce it. Your, your cuton water, which helps with. Oh, Keton. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Can
0: you speak to those a little bit?
1: So, all right. Now up in the brain, we'll put a melatonin is a big one. Uh, A lot of people don't make enough melatonin to drop into deep sleep at night. Now in deep sleep is when all of the reset of the body happens. And the craziest thing happens to your brain, you lose 60% of the water volume of your brain at night. That's where you clear all the junk out and then you fill it back up in the morning. So you're regenerating, detoxifying and regenerating your brain at night. And when you don't have sufficient melatonin, you can't do this. So the nano melatonin goes in very quickly, unmetabolized, has a very strong effect on your brain, helping you drop into deep sleep. Now, remember, we were talking about fight or flight. So other things that help with that are CBD and GABA. And we have a number of CBD products from just... Uh, broad spectrum and full spectrum CBD. That's whether or not it has the natural amount of THC in it. We have CBD synergies, AX, which has both CBD and GABA in a form called pharma GABA in it, as well as uh, skullcap herb uh, and uh, some essential oils. So that's really working to keep you moved over into a parasympathetic state. Uh, or GABA L theanine also does that. Whenever you take any of those with the liver sauce, it's going to enable your body to drop into a parasympathetic state from a neurotransmitter level so that your body all says, oh, yeah, let's detoxify now. Because you can take liver sauce when you're freaking out and nothing's going to happen.
0: Well, so and your, your delivery some of tools, your delivery mechanism, the liposomal, can you speak a little bit to how that's yeah. superior to? Um, it it, it. yeah ingesting pills
1: so the way we do everything is we make essentially like tiny little cells we use phosphatidylcholine and some other surfactants to create these tiny little nano sized spheres and we tuck the uh the different supplements inside of there so the cbd or the quercetin or the bitter compounds are all in these little spheres that are so small when you take them in your mouth they absorb right across the mucane, mucous membranes in the mouth and right into the capillaries uh, below and they go right into circulation. In fact, you can test those compounds in the blood in two minutes after you've held them in your mouth. Then what you swallow, gets absorbed in the stomach and the upper GI. The effect of this is everything that you take peaks in your blood in about 20, 25 minutes and activates everything at once. Because if you're taking five different supplements that have five different absorption rates, one absorbs in four hours and one absorbs in 40 minutes, and you want them all to work on one target, they're not going to. So now we get a whole bunch in really fast, work on all the targets, mobilize everything out, and then you can come in with your binder in 30 minutes. So whether you're just doing the liver sauce and it's activating all this detox, or if you're doing CBD or GABA to calm the brain and the liver sauce at the same time to activate all that stuff, or you're taking a sleep formula like the melatonin, it's gonna happen fast and with a coordinated response. And this gets past a lot of the people with really bad GI tracts. In fact, what we'll see is a much tighter blood level. If you take 10 people and you give them these nanoparticle absorptions, we'll see a much higher blood level and the variation person to person is like 20 to 30%. But if we give it to you in a capsule, there'll be 100 to 200% variation. That means one person might have a blood level two or three times higher than another person. So how are you as a clinician to predict what their response to a capsule is gonna be? So all of this, we know all the biochemistry and we know the delivery, how to get this all into the system. And that's why these systems work so well. And then the last thing that you asked about was quinton water. This is real fundamental. Quinton water was developed in the late 1800s. There's an area off the coast of France where there's a permanent upwelling. The oceans have what's called a global conveyor, where like the, the Gulf Stream is water coming from the Caribbean along the east coast of the US up towards Greenland, where it loses all its heat. The heat goes into Europe and keeps Europe warm and then it sinks and then it goes down south. So there's currents like this everywhere. and This one current comes up along the coast of France and comes up. So this is ancient water. It's not current seawater. It's ancient water coming up and it's got all these nutrients and there's a permanent phytoplankton bloom there that you can see from space and they reach right into where that bloom is. They pull the water out. This is seawater with all the minerals from along the ocean floor plus all of these uh, phytochemicals from the phytoplankton and they filter sterilize it. It's never heated, it's raw. And they do it in two concentrations, pure seawater called hypertonic and one that's diluted with spring water, uh, used to be diluted with Ev- Evian, but it's a similar, uh, it's a similar source as Evion, and it's diluted down to the same salinity as your plasma. That's called isotonic. And these two, one is remineralizing, alkalizing, and strengthening. That's the hypertonic. And the other is calming and puts you into parasympathetic, and it gets lymphatic drainage going. That's the isotonic. So these have the fundamental minerals that are all missing from today's uh, produce. Even when we're buying organic, we're missing all these minerals. It has all, you know, there's 72 different uh, elements in there that are really hard to get in this really pure uh, raw matrix coming right out of the sea. And in fact, these ratios of minerals are identical in their proportions To your blood plasma, so it's in fact it used to be called ketone
0: isotonic plasma. Amazing, and it helps your lymph flow. It helps balance your system. Yep. In fact, in the World
1: Wars, it was a plasma replacement. They would use it in the war, and they would give you IVs of it when you lost blood. And I I heard that that
0: they used seawater for blood replacement, and they used coffee enemas for pain.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know about the coffee animals, but I did know uh, about the seawater for the blood replacement. In fact, they did want, it's a, it's a little freaky, but they took a dog and drained all its blood out and filled it up with kington Plasma and the thing lived.
0: Wow, amazing. Is there anything um, on resilience or boosting resilience that we haven't touched on that you'd like to add?
1: Uh, no, I, w- I would just uh, bring NAD in there as the most fundamental thing for building mitochondria. Uh, we, we have uh, two products, uh, NAD Gold and NAD Platinum. When you are building NAD, there's a balance you need with methylation. You're from Seattle, you're familiar with all the needs of methylation. Uh, but those two need to be balanced. And so uh, a lot of people who went out when there was uh, true Niagen uh, was available, the nicotinamide riboside, and they would just take tons of that. And it's great, but it, it's, uh, you know, it drains your methylation groups. And so you have to balance those two. So we have uh, NAD Gold and Methyl Charge that go together. Or in the NAD Platinum, they've been, uh, they've been balanced together for you. So NAD is a, is a beautiful thing if you know how to take it uh, in conjunction with your methylation groups. And that, that is one of the strongest resilience promoters once you've gotten all the junk out.
0: Awesome. And can you share where people can learn more about you and purchase these products, especially yep. BitterX, if they're yep. uh, PMS concerned?
1: Yes, yes, yes. Uh, QuicksilverScientific.com. Uh, if you go on the site and sign up uh, for an account there, it's real easy. Uh, you'll get access to our newsletters, a lot of our education. You find me all over YouTube. Different uh, uh, different talks there. In fact, Quicksilver Scientific has a YouTube channel there tons of stuff. You'll see lectures I've given in Seattle, uh, you know, all around YouTube. Uh, and then you can follow us, uh, drchristophershade.com, or no, Shade at Instagram. And there's an Instagram and a Facebook for Quicksilver Scientific.
0: Well, thank you so much for all of your amazing information. It's so appreciated. All right. Thanks so much, Jody. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope it empowered you with some useful information and takeaways. If you liked this episode, please share a positive review and consider subscribing. I would also love to offer you my free parasympathetic toolkit as a gift just for listening. It will teach you how to activate the most important nerve in your body, your vagus nerve, to turn on your ability to heal. This free toolkit includes a checklist, a video, a detailed guide, and a course. If this podcast prompted any questions, you can always find answers in my blog at Vibrant Blue Oils or my book, Essential Oils to Boost the Brain and Heal the Body. Until next time, wishing you the most vibrant of health.